Do you believe in your business and want it to grow quicker? Make more sales, scale the business? <laughs> yeah, me too. I just love helping women in business and I want your business to be the best it can possibly be. You can expect truthful accounts of the highs and lows of business, struggles, traumas, epic highlights and priceless moments. I'll be sharing how this busy mum scaled a business from a local class in a village hall to 60 franchisees internationally. So let's get started. I'm Charlie Day and you're listening to the Entrepreneurs Growth Club podcast. Hello, I'm so excited to have Denise Duffield Thomas on my podcast. Hello and welcome. Hi, Charlie. How are you? I'm very excited. Um, oh my goodness, I am so excited because do you know what? I have run this podcast for two years and the amount of times that people have spoken about you and I have spoken about you and now you're on my podcast. Look at that. Oh, I love it. You manifested <laughs> Just it. In case somebody has been like hiding under a rock and they don't know who you are, please introduce yourself and tell everybody a little bit about you. Of course. So I'm a money mindset mentor, which is a totally made up term. It just means that I help um, entrepreneurs mostly and mostly women deal with their fear of money so they can ask for it and earn more and use it in ways that will enrich our planet, which I truly believe make money and change the world. So I write books about money and business, and I have a course called Money Bootcamp, which has been going for 10 years. We've had eight and a half thousand people through that program. And I live in Australia, which probably people can tell by my accent. And I have three kids and two dogs. So life is can, life can get a bit crazy. But my personal mission really is just to help people have more empowerment around money. So we can just all earn more, help more people, change the world. So I put it out to my audience that you were coming on my podcast because um, there's lots of Denise Duffield Thomas fans out there. And um, I said, you know, Denise is coming on my podcast. What can I possibly ask her? And so I've got loads of questions that um, from my community, but I'm going to split it up into three sections. So firstly, I want to talk about um, money mindset, and then we're going to move on to a bit of manifestation. And then I want to know a bit about your business journey and how you've got to where you are today. So first of all, um, talk to me a bit about money mindset and how important that is when you're running your own business. Well, it, I think it's, to be honest, it's crucial because most things in business are so easy. It really is. You can, you can get a free YouTube video tutorial on how to do anything in business. It's not beyond our capabilities to find a logistical checklist and check check it off. The problem comes when we have to put a price on our own services and value, when we have to have conversations about money with our clients, we have to ask for it. We have to follow up our clients and ask for it. And that's where things fall apart because we have this unacknowledged absolute mess behind the scenes sometimes of our upbringings, what era we grew up in, what our parents said about money, who was allowed to make money in our family. And it's just this big tangle. And it's like trying to work on a computer with 50,000 tabs open. And what the work that I do with people is to look at each one of those things and let them go. And you know yourself, I'm sure when you work on a computer, when you shut down tabs, things work quicker, things work more efficiently. 
then when you work on your money mindset, you have the energy and the bandwidth and the confidence to check off those things that you need to check off and just literally make money. It can be easy, but it's not because of all our stuff. And it's so true because what I talk about is sales and how to create more sales in your business. And a lot of people struggle with the money part of that. Like I'm fine chatting and delivering and giving value, but when it comes to asking for the money, Charlie, I don't know what to do. Um, Because it is, it's putting yourself out there as well, especially for us in a service-based business, putting a price literally on yourself. So what would your advice be for those people who really struggle with that? Well, I mean, it's huge, right? You have to go and look at even sometimes the basics. You know, the first thing we get people to do in Money Bootcamp is just to make a list of all of the things you can think of that you remember about money from your childhood or from school or from your jobs. Because we want to start to get the flavor of your experiences and your personal sabotages around money. And this is ongoing work, by the way. You know, it'll it'll come up forever. But the very easiest one is to look at what's the relationship between hard work and money in your family? Because it could be that you realize, oh, my family told me a million times explicitly and totally behind the scenes that it's impolite to talk about money, that it's just impolite completely. So how are you supposed to put a, a number and tell people about it, let alone invoice them, let alone chase them up for the money, when every fiber of your being is saying, it's just so rude to talk about money. That's just could be one example. What you do with that information, once you start to really get curious, and this is why you know in my money bootcamp, We have these conversations every day because sometimes you've forgotten things. Sometimes you didn't even realize that that was said in your family. You could then, if you've discovered that that's the thing, you could just have an affirmation. It's safe for me to talk about money. It's okay for me to talk about money. Money is just money. But you can't beat yourself up if you've had decades of conditioning that it's impolite to even say the word money. So I guess like, you might get over some of your money blocks, but then as you grow in your business, and I've certainly found this, then more blocks come your way. New level, new devil. (laughs) Exactly. But I actually say it's new level, old devil. Oh, Because sometimes it's the same block in a slightly different way. So one of your blocks might be, um, you know, I have to be down to earth. I want people to like me that's going to hit you at every single income plateau. And so what people do, they come to me and they go, well, I've worked on my stuff, but now I've hit a new income plateau. But now this one's really real, Denise. This one isn't a mindset one. This is real. And you go, well, let's just look at it again from sometimes the same perspective or sometimes shift the lens just a tiny little bit and you'll find either a new nuance to an old story or it's your old story again and again, or it's just a new level, new devil, because you're slightly different now. And so I always say to people like absence of fear is not your goal. That's not what we're here to do. We're never going to get to a point where you're completely free of fear, but what scares you today won't scare you tomorrow, but there'll be something new to look at. So even though now, you know, I make multi-millions of dollars, I'm still always working on the thing that if I make too much money, people won't think I'm likable. They won't think I'm down to earth. They won't like me. I'll lose my resilience. You know, I'll become this fancy rich bitch. But I had that when I was making no money 
And I've had it at every single income plateau because it's so ingrained that, you know, for me growing up in the eighties, especially rich equaled bitch. Yeah. You know? And so that's my thing, but everyone else's is different. So that's, that's interesting. And let me just dig in there because yeah. so you said that you are making um, multi-millions, which is just absolutely amazing. And I have had this on my journey and I wonder if you've had it of people saying like, when, when will you be earning enough? When, when is it enough? That is such a great question. And I think it really, there's layers to that because some people think, well, my life will be perfect with more money. That's why we all dream about winning the lottery because we just think more money will just solve all of our problems. But the truth is you're, you're going to be the exact same person. And so if you believe that you have to be perfect to be worthy of the money, you're just going to keep on pushing it away because you're, you're still going to be imperfect with money. Nothing's going to change about your personality. So I think it's that feeling of um, if you love and accept yourself at every stage, then that's the only thing you can control. And I still, I still ask myself that time as well and go, when is it ever enough? Will I ever feel content? And it's like, no, you have to, you have to cultivate content, contentment where you are. And that's really tricky when the money hasn't shown up yet. Yeah. So that's why we talk about incremental upgrades in Money Bootcamp. What can you do right now with the resources that you have right now to feel more abundant? in tiny little ways, because then you kind of acclimatize yourself to that fabulous life without having this unexpected event, like a lottery win to suddenly pull you there. Because have you noticed though, people who win the lottery, they don't have that strong foundation anyway. So they sabotage it just as they would if they got an extra hundred pounds out of the blue, that would sabotage it. So it's what can you do now to accept and love yourself? What can you do to incrementally acclimatize yourself to more Sometimes it's not even money for people. Sometimes it's um, acclimatizing to like just feeling good, feeling good, allowing yourself to receive pleasure. For some people, it's harder to receive a compliment. And then they're going, universe, send me millions of dollars. But then they go, their friend goes, I'll pay for coffee. You go, no, 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 don't pay for coffee. I'm not worthy. (laughs) It's all of those little things that add up to that overall sense of I'm unworthy you chuck money on that you'll still feel unworthy no matter how much money you have yeah yeah I had we me and my friend were having a conversation the other day we went to this like fancy hotel and she was like I just love the tea bags here um she's a a friend who's in business and she was like do you know what I'm gonna stop buying these tea bags for home like that seems really really fancy because they're like four pounds fifty but that's what I'm gonna start doing and I was like yes that's the thing they're not like they're a million dollars no you know the difference between like the cheapest and the most expensive in the grand scheme of things is not a lot but we can all find those little things to make us feel better I also say to people find the things actually that make you feel poor and inconvenience and declutter those because sometimes we're putting up with so much stuff that it takes up so much bandwidth but more than that it's symbolic and actually tea is very symbolic I realized that I used to reuse my tea bags again and again and again and I remember thinking I'm worthy of a fresh tea bag but it felt like who the freaking thing do you think you are? The Queen of England? I mean, the Queen probably reuses tea bags. They're <laughs> apparently very frugal there. But it was more, it wasn't about the tea bag. It was the fact that I didn't believe I was worthy of having things the way that I wanted. 
and that could be that could be a million different things in your life so another question that I've got and I appreciate that we live like completely opposite sides of the world so I'll be interested to know if it's the same for you but I think um if you open your eyes and open your ears all around me certainly in the UK there's a lot of people talking about how little money they have or what they would like or just like it's almost like if you tune into people on the streets they're they're coming from this scarcity place of not enough I I was in the gym in the sauna in my local gym and someone was saying I just wish I got paid weekly instead of monthly because it'd be so much easier to manage and I just wanted to scream out to her like you would be terrible at managing it on a weekly basis if you can't manage it on a monthly basis it would make no difference um but anyway do you find that well I mean there is the reality of the global economic situation you know but I'm I'm married to a British man I lived in the UK for 10 years and I am fascinated about cultural blocks around money. And what I notice in some places, there's almost like this sense of um, pride in how little you can survive on, you know, and I really notice this and I'm, I'm not, (laughs) I've heard it from my Scottish friends sometimes, you know, where it's like, there's a pride in like how resilient we are and how much we can live on nothing. But I, I pulled together some English people from Money Bootcamp a couple months ago to talk about what are some of these cultural blocks that come up for you guys. And we looked at the cliches of English culture because of course there are nuances within nuances. And sometimes how you feel in contrast to the culture you live in can be very interesting too, right? So we looked at what are the values of England? And one of the values is we queue and we wait our turn because that's polite, right? Yeah. And of course, not everyone does, but there's this sense of we wait our turn. And so I asked people and said, how is that showing up in your business? And it was like, oh, I'm not allowed to make big leaps because I have to wait my turn. I have to wait for someone else to say you're ready. If I say that I'm like so good, then people are going to think I'm up myself. Um, I can't make more money than my brother because he's supposed to be successful before me. I can't make more money than my mentor. I can't self-publish because I should be waiting for someone to tell me that I'm ready, a publisher. I can't on and on and on, right? And so that's my job is to just pose these questions and for us to find our own nuances around it I did the same with Australians right and I said what do we think is an Australian cliched Australian value and one of them is mateship we're all friends we're all equal no one's above anyone else how does that shop your business people like I feel like I have to give mates rates to everyone in Australia I feel like I'm not allowed to be more successful than my friends because then it's not it's not equality Um, and so so, interesting I've literally never thought about that before but yeah I think you're right because when we went to Disneyland Paris you know we're only an hour away from France but the culture there is so different and when you talk about queuing in France it's like every man for themselves and they're just like sorting themselves out and in England we just stand there and wait like no you first you first you first and it probably is showing up in our business yeah of going I can't jump ahead Mm, yeah. You know, I have to wait my turn. I have to wait for someone else to tell me it's your turn now. 
And it's just, it's those little things that I just want us to bring to the surface and go, why am I doing this? You know, it could be, you combine the culture you grew up in. And then of course, you've got people then who come from different cultures. You've got people who, you know, their, their parents are from one country, they live in another, or their parents are from completely different countries. And so they're trying to please both cultures. And sometimes it's the unspoken around that of, am I allowed to earn more than my dad? Am I allowed to, allowed to earn more than my older sibling or my, or my brother? Or is that shameful? Am I allowed to earn more than my partner? Am I allowed to speak up? about this and so there's just so many nuances within that of you know even what era you grew up in so some of my clients who are say in their 50s 60s beyond they grew up hearing you know a woman's place is in the home you know and this is how you're praised you're praised for being a good girl and um and so then how can you then put yourself forward for things and how can you then go well, I'm going to get some help in my business or help at home. I grew up in the 80s where I saw rich, rich bitches, you know, and so it's, you have to look at all of those. It's a really big, interesting kaleidoscope of our own personal experiences. I, I love asking people a question. I want to ask you a question, Charlie. I know you're supposed to ask me, but <laughs> I'm getting a lot of info these days about asking this one question. Tell me about your school shoes as a kid. Tell me about your school shoes. Interesting. Yeah, like What's brand new, brand new Clark's, which is like the go-to shop in the UK. Um, we have it here too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's shoes. So th th like they were brand new on the first day of school, but it was very much like they need to last you a year. We're not getting new ones. So how does that show up in your business? This make do till something's falling apart thing yeah yeah and and also like you this is my upbringing completely like I'll go around to my parents house and I'm like we have had this chopping board which is like used to be transparent but it's not anymore um for the whole of my life how much did it cost and they're like two pounds fifty I'm like just buy a new one just buy a new chopping board why and my mom's like well it still works why would we buy a new one? I'm like, well, look at it. It's so tatty. Just buy a new one. <laughs> and honestly, they don't, you know, they've got things that I have grown up with. Now, I think what has happened with me is I'm, I'm like, I'm rebelling against this. Yeah. And I'm like, actually, no, I can, I can afford a new one. I don't need that old chopping board. Let's go get a new one. Um, and, and maybe that's because I was brought up in that way. I'm like, that's not going to be the way it is for me. And I see that, right? People either unconsciously copy what they grew up with and never question it, or they do the opposite. And sometimes then you swing the pendulum too far. And that's why you sometimes see extreme frugality. And then the next generation, you know, they're in heaps of debt and they spend it all. And then it can kind of, it can kind of go like this. And so when we bring the unconscious to the surface, we can just create that stability, that financial stability. And I'm very cognizant of this myself because I come from, you know, family that always had to struggle and scrap. And then suddenly I'm extremely wealthy. And so I'm looking at my kids going, how can I make sure that they don't either take that for granted 
or they're useless because some sometimes you see people and their kids are useless because they've never had to do anything. But then when we built our house, we put underfloor heating in our bathroom, right? And there was a part of me that's like, I can't use underfloor heating. Like, I'm going to lose all of my resilience. What happens when I lose all my money and I can't have cold feet? You know, like I just, I felt so rude and guilty to do that. But then my kids are like, they, they, they're like, oh, how do people have one bathroom in their house? And so I'm, I'm trying to go, how do I create just middle-class stability for a couple of generations in my DNA, in my family so then they don't then go like this as well. Have you have you got the answer for me? Because I have the same worries about, I've got a five-year-old little boy and, you know, because me and my husband have worked so hard, we can afford all of these opportunities, but then you don't want them to be like, oh, when they go on the school trip, like this isn't a five-star hotel, is it? Well, yeah, because Willow... Um, she traveled overseas with us a few times when she was little. And I remember we were on one flight and she was like, I'm ready for my bed to be put down now, <laughs> you know? And it was like a domestic flight with no, not even a screen. And she was just like, um, and I just went, Oh my God. So I don't know the answer to that. All I'm trying to do is one, create neutrality around money. So not say the, the things that I heard around money, of going, you have to work really hard and money's dirty and all those things. So I'm aiming for like, we take care of money in our family and money's not a dirty word. But I also say things like, you know, money doesn't make us better than anyone else. And talking to her about how other people live, not just, you know, just normal families in Australia, but around the world and trying to find that balance then of going, but I don't want her to also then think that she's not allowed to have anything good and she has to give everything away and feel guilty about that. So it's always this balance of going, like it's safe for us to talk about money in our family. Yeah. One of her little friends said something to her. They were talking on, um, you know, those games that they can talk to each other on? Yeah. On, yeah, like roadblocks or something. Like roadblocks, yeah. And yeah, her friend said, um, you said, a, you said a naughty word. And Willow is like such a rule follower. She was like, what, what did I say? And she said, you said money. And Willow said, money's not a dirty word. Money's not a swear word in our family. And so she could come to me with that and we could have a discussion about it and to say, you know, there are people who just, who feel like greedy people are the ones with money. And we know in our family, we use our money to try and create good things in the world. And it's unusual that in families, you know, the mum makes the money or things like that. We're just trying to have honest conversations about it. The other thing, though, is that growing up, I heard you can't have that because we don't have the money. And I can't say that no. with a straight face. I have the money to do it. And I was shopping one time with Willow and she said, can I have this? And I said, no. And she said, but you're a millionaire. <laughs> and I was shopping with my mom and my mom said, yeah, Willow, but you're not a millionaire. And I just, I laughed because I, then I could have a conversation and say, what would happen if I gave you everything that you wanted all of the time? Like, do you think that that would, you know, make you appreciative of things? And we would watch, you know, like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory 
and say, look at that girl, um, is it Veruca? She gets everything she wants and she doesn't even care about it. And so I then have to do it. My mum didn't have the luxury to talk about her values with me because she was trying to survive her life. She had no luxury to do that. And so I can say, look, in our family, we value the environment. And so we're not just going to buy toys all the time because that's not good for the environment. And she's like, oh, okay. And then um, I, I always attribute this to my friend, Marissa Roberts, who has a business called Beautifully Organized. She would say that to her kids because her kids are a little bit older than mine. So she taught me this. She would say, oh my God, that is such a cute thing. Let's take a photo of it and we can put it on your birthday or your Christmas list because one's always coming up, right? Because I felt like even as a kid, my mom was so stressed about money. She would not even look at the things that I was pointing out to her. I'd say, look at this, look at this. And she'd just be like, don't even look, don't even look. And I felt shamed all of the time for liking things. So I try to say to my kids, I go, wow, that's so cute. That's awesome. And they'll go, can we have it? And I go, no. And they'll go, oh, like all kids do that, right? I'm sure I did that too. And then I go, well, let's take a picture of it. And then I put it in a little folder. Yeah, I put it in a little folder on my phone and I say, I'll remember that. But most of the time they've forgotten later on and it's not even something they want anymore it's just of course we want things and we like things but it's just not shaming them for desires because then I see grown-ups and I say to them you know I say what do you want in your life and they go I don't know because they're like what am I allowed to have and you go well we're just doing a goal setting exercise you can write down anything you want and they're sitting there going I don't know because we've we've never been allowed to (laughs) We've never or been allowed like to go buy home. something and feel really guilty about having spent the money, even if they have the money. Absolutely. And I still do as well. Yeah, all me the time. Too. Yeah. <laughs> like so yesterday I, I bought a, a magazine and I thought, oh, I, I buy this magazine every month. I forget to get a subscription. And I was like, I didn't even read it last month, but it's like the pleasure of it. And it's like £8.40, you know, $8.40. I was like, I feel so guilty. And then I'm like, I'm, I can afford it. <laughs> I deserve the magazine. Um, right, let's move on to my second thing that I want to talk to you about, um, manifestation. Because um, So Get Rich, Lucky Bitch was the first one of your books that I've read. Of course, I've read them all now. But yes, that yeah. And then Lucky Bitch was the first the first one I wrote. The first that one that order, you yeah. wrote, but I've, re- I've yeah. read them out of order. I actually re- read them in the first lockdown and I like consumed them all over two weeks or something insane like that. It was just like Denise Duffield Thomas, two weeks of my life. Um, I'm not woo at all. I'm just, well, I'll, I, I say that I'm not woo all the time. And then by the end of this conversation, you'll be like, she's definitely woo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a story about when I was reading um, Get Rich, Lucky Bitch. I ordered it off of Amazon. Uh, we were in lockdown. So I ordered it off of Amazon and I was reading it. And for anybody who's listening, who's not reading it, there's this whole idea, isn't there, of, of manifesting money in there. And so I was like about three quarters of the way through and nothing like this has ever happened to me before. And I came down, my book was on the side and I just picked it up and a 20 pound note flew out of the book. <laughs> I and I was, li- I was literally like, what what the heck Denise Duffield Thomas is like a magician what happened I hear this all the time I hear this all the time the law of attraction is a really interesting thing because when I first learned about it I didn't get it 
because I thought, oh my God, it means that I have to be perfect all the time in my thoughts. And, and I just couldn't figure out how I could do that. I was like, I'm not a good meditator. Like, how am I supposed to do this? So I started to try and break it down into really practical actions that I could do just to create a little bit more positivity in my life. And that's where I talk about things like change your password on your computer and use your screensavers and things like that, because all of those things go into your, into your brain. But um, I referenced the book, The Luck Factor, quite a few times. So I read this book in my early 20s. This guy, I think his name's Richard Wiseman. And I think about this all the time. He wanted to do a study about luck. And so he invited all these people to come to, you know, to his research facility, whatever, um, about to talk about luck. And they planted money around the, around the building outside. And they wanted to see who found the money. And it was the people who identified as lucky, who said, yeah, I'm lucky. Good things happen to me all the time. More than often, they were the ones who found the money. And the ones who were like, nothing good ever happens to me. I never win anything. They didn't find the money and the money was there. The money was there for both of them. And so one of the things you can do to start creating those opportunities for yourself is one, believing that they happen to you, looking for the opportunities, um, being open to the opportunities, and even just seeing them as a sign, as a positive sign of going, wow, this always happens to me. This always happens to me. I always find money in the street and just see what happens because I don't know what then happens in the world, but then you're more inclined to look. You're more inclined to see something out of the corner of your eye and go, well, that's obviously money because I always find money in the street. Um, and this happened to me. I put this in the book where um, I was feeling bad about money because we had just upgraded and, and bought this piece of land and I was feeling sick about it. And we were driving to pick up the keys. And I said to Mark, we're going to have to tighten our belts this year because we have, you know, pulled this amazing manifestation out of the blue, but it can't continue. My brain was like, this is a fluke. It can't happen. We're going to have to really suffer for it now, suffer the consequences. And he said to me, that doesn't sound like you. And I went, you're right. There's always more money. And as I said that, a shower of $50 notes hit our car. Like a shower of them. And in Australia, our notes are like yellow, bright yellow. And so it was just like, psh, and then our windscreen wipers came on automatically. And we were both just like, ah! and it was so interesting because that's never, I mean, I've never heard anyone in the town say it. You'd think that would be a really big thing to happen, right? Someone, I don't know, was playing with money and it flew out the car. I don't know did, what Did happened. it actually happen? It wasn't a figment of your imagination. Happened. No. Well, if it was just me, who had experienced that, I would have said, obviously I hallucinated that, but it was the two of us, right? And we just went, yeah. Mark said, did that actually just happen? Should we stop the car? But we were on like a busy road. And I was like, no, because it was like money on the, on the road, going into the bushes, like flying around. And I think in my mind, I think maybe someone was going to go buy a car in cash because it was at least a couple of thousand dollars. And it just flew out the window or something like that. But it just came from nowhere and hit our car. But it was just such a great reminder of going, there is always more money and there is always abundance. And I am worthy of abundance. And so I remember every time I drive past that road, which is quite often, I always just think, oh, there's always more money. There's probably still some in the bush somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't been out having a look. 
Where no, are I you? just think about it. Though. I think about it, I go, oh, it's there. But then I go, oh, I'll just make money in my business. But, um, but it, that has happened to me quite a few times where I've met up with someone and then just like a $20 note will just fly something. Or, but people send me that all the time and say, I picked up your book and there was money in it. And I just go, it's not me. It's just, it's that possibility, you know, of going, wow, maybe, maybe it's, you know, I'm worthy of stuff. And I, I remember one time I did an experiment with Mark and I'd, I'd say to him every day, checks in the post, checks in the post, checks in the post. Because I realized every time I went to the post box, I was thinking what bills are in here? What bad news is in here? And I did the same in my inbox. I'd open up my inbox and think, what bad news is going to be here? You know, and I started just saying checks in the post. And that was that time in the UK where people were getting, um, you know, PPI refunds and all of those things. And so I was just literally every day I was like, oh, there literally is a check in the post. Oh, and you could sort of see those things and go, well, that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. But I was like, this means that I'm incredibly lucky and abundant and I'm worthy of good things happening. And then you start to look for those opportunities, but also you start to say yes to opportunities. Someone will say, oh, can I buy you a cup of tea? And instead of saying, no, 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 no. You go, thank you. That's so nice of you. Wow, good things do happen to me. And then a tiny little chain of events will happen where you see something and you go, maybe I will go for that. Maybe I will put myself forward for that. Maybe I will send that person a message. And that's when you go, oh, it's the law of attraction. But it's those little micro shifts that give you that little bit of micro courage to think in slightly different micro ways that means then you put yourself forward for it. And there's something there with the law of attraction that when you start to take action with that mindset, then sometimes things do happen that you feel like are magical and you just go, wow. So I always look, look and see how can I reverse engineer? If this is confirmation bias, cool. What can I do to create confirmation bias in my own brain? So then I believe that I'm worthy of it. And so that's when you can follow people who look like you on social media because then you can go, well, if she can do it. Maybe I can do it. Yeah. then you have your screensaver pop up and say, you're a best-selling author. You might see that a thousand times and not even be aware of it, but then you go, maybe I can write a book. Oh, okay, maybe I can. And you haven't realized that you've, you've created all this confirmation bias for yourself. So I just go, if our brains work like that anyway, let's, let's yeah. create it deliberately and see what happens. And it's the same. This is what I teach with sales, right? There, there's so much abundance out there you're only looking for 50 people to join your course or, you know, 20 people to buy this thing from you, or even if it's thousands, like we live in a world of gazillion people. So actually there's so much out there. There's more sales. If you lose a sale, there's more. And it's the same, it's the same thing. You've just got to open your mind to it. And I think you're right. There's so many people who are like, I never win anything. I'm terrible at sales. I'm bad with money. And that's the energy that you're putting out into the world, isn't it? So you don't even try. Yeah. You don't even try. Or then you get one little rejection and you go, see? And we okay. know for sales, fortune's in the follow-up. Sometimes all you have to do is go, oh, hey, you still interested in that? And you go, yeah, actually. I actually got a text message. It's so funny. This lady that I contacted years ago for a massage um, and she wasn't, she was setting, shutting down a massage company, whatever. She just sent a text message because maybe I'm on her list now and said, um, this is a sign from the universe to book a, a, a massage. And I went, okay. Oh, I like it. Just because she asked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just because she asked me. Okay, I'll do that. And I find that 
um, when I work with people, sometimes I'm the one who's on a, a call with them and I go, can I buy it from you? Do you take visa? Can you, can we like wrap this up? Because they don't even, they never even ask. Well, actually, or they never follow enough, up. I told my audience about um, this scenario and how I was trying to get Denise Duffield Thomas on my podcast. And, uh, you know, I took them through the whole journey of this. And um, obviously, I don't know if you do your own social media or not, but I followed up and I said, you know, I really want you to come on my podcast. And then the next day it was in my inbox being like, yay, Denise wants to come on your podcast. And I went back to my audience because I'm always saying about following up for sales, but actually just follow up for opportunity. Absolutely. And because sometimes people just forget. Absolutely. You know, and I have ADHD. So sometimes when something for me, it's out of sight, out of mind. I've forgotten that people exist, you know? And so sometimes it's just like a, oh, hey, you're still interested in that. Here's the link and making it easy for me to say yes. Then it's like, oh yeah, thank you. Um, but we're sitting there going, I'm bothering them. They're going to be so angry with me. They're going to feel bad. And I, um, because I obviously work on money mindset, I find it really hard to work with people who haven't at least explored that for themselves because I'm like, just send me the invoice and I'll pay it, love. Like there's no, I'm not sitting there going, oh my God, what a bitch. I can't believe she sent me an invoice. But I know that I can't work with people who are too wishy-washy around that because it's annoying. I'm like, mm -hmm. just send me the invoice, please. I've yeah. asked you three times, send me the invoice. Or I'm like, um, sometimes people will over deliver and then it actually, does, it's not good for me. I go, just do the thing that I asked you to do, you know? And so clean money stuff can be felt throughout your whole community. It can be felt with your clients and your service providers and it's just money. It's okay. Yeah. And if they're, they want to or not. Someone actually followed me up today with someone that I'd um, bought something from. She had to refund it because she couldn't fulfill it. And she sent me, hey, I've got space now. And I'm like, oh, it's actually not good timing for me, but I can, good on her for referring. It might've been the perfect time. And I've gone, yes, actually, I really need that now. But we're so scared to do that because we think, oh, I'm bothering people. Or again, it's impolite to talk yeah. about money or, or like it's, it's too pushy but what I would say is it's yeah. not it's not pushy it's helpful like oh my gosh yeah that that reminder because I've got a business and I've got kids and I've got loads of other stuff going on and I didn't rem remember about buying that thing from you because it's not top of my priorities list but it is top of your priorities list to sell it so you've got to follow up exactly and make it easy for people I um at the start of the pandemic I wanted to kind of show a bit of a like faith to say like everything's fine. <laughs> and so I spent $6,000 buying courses from people. I said, if you've got something for sale, put it in this link. I'll buy, you know, as many as I can. I ended up buying 63 different things. And it was so fascinating because I was like, some of these people are really making me work for this, you know, and it was kind of everything under like a hundred pounds kind of thing. And it was like, some people are like, you've got a 50 page scrolling website for like a $13 thing, or I can't find the buy now button or the buy now button's the same color as your graphics, or it was in teeny tiny little, you know, writing and I couldn't figure out where to click or where to do it. And so I, I did this whole post and I said to people, you've got to make it easy for people to, to, to give you money because some of you are making it so hard. 
even like people would have like $8 things. And I was thinking, I'm not going to just buy something for $8 from someone, you know, I'm going to try and at least spend, you know, a hundred quid with each person kind of thing. And I was like, I had to go and click one thing after another. And then I noticed um, I bought a template one time on um, Etsy. Etsy people sell templates. And it was like a Canva template, right? And it was like $10. And then they were like, do you want to just buy all of my templates? And it was like, it was like $900 or something, right? But it was like, you, you get everything. And I remember I was like, that's so clever. And then she, did, I was like, I actually don't need everything. But then there was bundles that were like, well, get all my marketing templates for 200, get all of my manifesting templates for 200. And I was like, yes, because she made it easy for me. And I just see so many people, they're making it so hard, you know, oh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to offer PayPal because I don't like to pay the PayPal fees. Well, cool. You might've lost customers because they, they had to get up and find their credit card and they forgot. Yeah. They completely forgot. So it's just those things of like, put yourself in your, it's not being pushy. It's not being horrible. It's just making it easy for people to find the solution that they want and they need. Yeah. Yeah. I hate it when you have to like create a username and a password and all this, just too many barriers to entry. Just, (laughs) I want to give you my credit card details and then walk away. Simple as that. And the quicker, the quicker you can make that transactionally, the less chance they're going to think about it and think, actually, no, this isn't for me. So it's in your best interest to make it as easy as possible. And if you're on the phone call with someone, be ready to take a deposit because then that's skin in the game. Yeah. You know, cool. What's your credit card number? Because otherwise then you notice that people then ghost because they, they get freaked out. They have no skin in the game. Um, I even talk about in the book, Chill and Prosper, about your thank you page is such a great way to prevent buyer's remorse. Tell people what to do on that page. Don't say, oh, there's an email in your inbox. It's like, if they need to book in a session with you, have it right there. Have an online calendar. Don't then go, well, when are you available? When am I available? We're in a different time zone. Um, Tell people exactly because we, I mean, because I've had such a big business now and I can do the stats, People will ask for a refund because they get psyched out and they have buyer's remorse or something will happen where their login details go into spam and they go, oh, it's a sign. I'm not meant to do this. And anything you can do to reduce that friction, the better. Um, And that's, you know, there's a real mix in my book of the woo-woo stuff, but also put something on your thank you page to avoid buyer's remorse and make them feel good. Um, we even did a video on our thank you page of people saying, I was really nervous to join as well, but I'm really glad I did to just tick off those like reassurance boxes for people of going, oh, I have made the right decision, even though I'm nervous. Okay, I feel good. We get people to join our group straight away. So they feel invested. Um, And it's that little, just, it's like when you go to a restaurant and there's a big long wait. If they give you a little bit of bread or some olives, you don't care. You're like, I'm invested now. But I've walked out of restaurants because I'm like, I've been sitting here for 20 minutes. I'm not invested. I don't even have a menu. I don't have yeah. anything. I'm going to go. And that's what happens in, in business. People are just not invested and they've got no skin in the game. I even say to service practitioners who have, you know, in the, I don't know, they do massages or beauty, take a deposit up front because then people have skin in the game and they'll turn up yeah otherwise you'll get no shows you know use technology to do all the follow-ups and things like that because that's where your money is is cleaning up all of those little loopholes and all those money mindset issues that are coming up you want to make it as tight as possible don't you 
Yes, absolutely. So talk to me about, I, I want to know your business journey. And the first thing that I'm going to ask you is, uh, one of the questions I get asked all the time is, what do you know now which you, which you wish you knew then? And what mm. is that for you? One of them is that everyone's making it up. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's making it up everyone's got imposter syndrome and I really thought I was the only one and what always surprised me is when I just showed up and just said what said my truth I was like why do people believe me don't they know that I have no idea what I'm talking about or don't they know when I'm in, I'm an imposter and I still feel that sometimes but I just think oh wow you can just do what you want to do really you can um, the other thing is that there's just so much abundance out there in the world. I sometimes have to remind myself by looking at someone who's further ahead than me, because I, I still go, everyone's seen this. Everyone knows this now, but yet I still get people every day who it's brand new to. And I think, oh, okay, maybe I do have something to say, but I always look at people who have got, you know, double, triple the amount of students in their programs with a similar target market to me. And I say, well, just keep on going till you've had more than them. And it, it still continues. Yeah. So I'm like, well, there's proof that there's more customers out there. So it's just that feeling of it's ongoing and everyone's making it up. And so why not you? And what, what do you put your success down to with um, Money Bootcamp? Why do you think it was so successful or is, sorry, so successful? Um, so we've recently just hit 10 years. And uh, as part of that, I was pulling out some of the early videos to see the progression. And you know what? The content is almost exactly the same. What's changed though, is it looks sexier. It yeah. looks prettier, but the content's the same. So I'm like, we think sometimes it, we have to wait till we have that perfect version before we're allowed to say the thing. And I'm like, I'm so happy that I, I just was persistent and I did it anyway, because yeah. my first ever course that I did in 2009 had one person on it. My first manifesting course had five people on it. My first money boot camp in 2012 had 22 people on it. And I could have easily just gone, okay, that's it. And I see people do that. They go, well, someone asked for a refund. So obviously I have to shut this whole business down. <laughs> <laughs> or everyone's seen this now, so I have to quit. And I just kept on going, oh, I'll just launch one more time and see how it goes. I'll just launch one more time. I also made a commitment really early on my business mentor at the time said, you have to send out a newsletter every week. And so from 2009, I've sent out a newsletter every single week without fail. I've gotten better at the systems and processes of it. But even at the start, I was like, I have to send out a newsletter today. So I, I better come up with something. I better write something. So I think my only, um, it's been the persistence and the consistency of showing up imperfectly. I've never had anything go viral. I've never, like little blips here and there, but I've built everything literally just one at a time you know I've never had a moment where my list has suddenly just gone exploded it's literally been one at a time one at a time very slowly because people unsubscribe as you go you know and it's just that's it being persistent and being consistent with it yeah I, I feel like more and more people are wanting and believing that there's such thing as an overnight success yes or there's a one course or one bullet or one mentor who will 
magically yeah. make it happen for you. And I, I mean, I've done that too. I've bought a course going, this is going to change everything. Even last year when I got diagnosed with ADHD, I was like, well, this is great. This, you know, this is going to just build my business and write my books for me. And it doesn't. No. <laughs> you, still have to do, you still have to sit down and do it. <laughs> but, um, and it, it is sometimes slow and that can be frustrating at the start. But it gets to a point then when you get that momentum. You know, I, I really saw that a couple of years in where I was like, oh, yes, I have to talk about my books all the time. But then other people start to talk about your books. Other people start to share your content because, though, you're putting it out regularly. And yeah. then it just becomes a snowball effect that everything you do has a multiplier effect. You know, but I sent that newsletter out as if it were going to thousands of people. And now it does. You know, I think it goes out to 70,000 people. Um but I started it with that, not going, when I have 70,000, then I'll do a consistent newsletter because it doesn't work like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that so many people are like, oh, I want to have 10,000 followers. I want to have 100,000 followers. And I'm like, look after the followers you've got. Like, it doesn't matter if you've only got 10. Yeah. Look after that and more will come. Well, someone told me this and it really put it in, into perspective because I hear people go, I've only got you know, 500 people on my newsletter list. And I said, if you had 500 people in your lounge room in your house, that's a lot of people. <laughs> that's true. That's a lot of people. So just, and, but sometimes people think, oh, but what if I use all my good ideas while my list is small? I actually go back and look at all of those articles and blog posts and things that I wrote in my first year. I re-record them because I'm like, it's evergreen stuff. I just need to do it with my current face, you know, but it's like, nothing's wasted. Nothing's no. wasted. My first course where I said I had one person on it, I only ran it one time, but I learned how to write a sales page. I learned how to connect payment systems. I learned how to do a handout. I learned how to use a tele, I used um, an instant tele seminar thing. You know, there's so many moving pieces that each time you do it, you don't want thousands of people in your first course because you have no systems. <laughs> you have yeah. nothing. And the, even if you have one, even if you have zero people in your first launch, you've created potentially a million dollar seed that is easier the next time and then the next time. The first couple of times you do it, it's not for the money. It's for the overcoming the resistance. And it's creating that asset because there's so many movable pieces. But then I see people quit and throw it away and go, well, obviously no one wanted it. So I'm never going to offer it again. No, you just haven't had enough eyeballs on it. Next time you will have more bandwidth to market because you're not also creating the graphics yourself and creating handouts and doing all the things. And then you can get better and better. And I, I have to watch myself. I only allow myself to re-record the videos for Money Bootcamp every two years because otherwise you can start to go, oh, I should put, I should fix this. Oh, I should do this. And then you're not marketing it anymore for the people yeah. who need it in its current form. The other thing that I was going to say is like, I think I've read um, Get Rich Lucky Bitch three times and every time I get something new from it. So it's our audiences need to hear these things over and over again before they actually take action. They might take action on some stuff and not on the other stuff. So actually we need to be getting the same messages out all the time. Yes. And we need to keep it simple because, um, and I, I say this in the book too, my refund rates um, had gone up, like almost doubled. And I was like, what is going on? And so I looked at the feedback people gave me and they were saying, not enough time. And I realized that in my quest to be super generous, 
I was adding all this extra stuff in because I was thinking, well, it's not enough for me to just do a video about forgiveness. I need to include a video of Oprah talking about forgiveness and these three books talking about forgiveness. Because I was like, that imposter syndrome was, well, I need to be thorough. But people were looking at that going, I don't have time to watch three videos and read three books. And so they were logging in, looking at all of this extra content that I'd created for them on top of my content and going, I don't have time. So then what I did, I didn't change anything. I just stripped out all of that extra stuff and left my stuff. And that next year, one hour refund rates went back, but people were saying, Denise, the course is so rich. And I was thinking, all I did was strip out stuff. And I was feeling guilty thinking, it's not enough. I'm not being generous enough. I'm not giving the full picture. People are going to think that I'm a fraud. And it was actually just making it easier for them to have quick wins, easier for them to have those ahas because I wasn't making them work for it. So I often say to people too, when you're looking at your offering, strip most of it out because you're, you're overwhelming people. Yeah, less is more. So tell yeah. everybody, because I'm so excited, I've already got it on pre-order. Tell everybody about your new book that you're launching. Yes. Okay. So it's called Chill and Prosper. It's an updated version of my previous book called Chillpreneur um, because I needed to do a post-pandemic edition with case studies because people would contact me and say, well, that's all good, but it doesn't work for my industry. I'm special. I'm, I don't have to do this work. Or they would say, but I'm not allowed to make it easy because I work in this industry and I'm not allowed to. So um, if you have read the previous book, I've got a ton of new pre-order bonuses for everybody. And if it's new to you, it's a real mix of practical business advice and mindset advice about how to make your business as easy and as profitable as possible for you. So if you go to denisedt.com slash prosper, there's all the links to buy it in the UK, US, everywhere. And also you can get those pre-order bonuses. And one of them I've just created is a, um, a money mindset album of affirmations. So you can meditate or you can work and all of those meditations go in your brain about, you know, it's safe. I, I'm allowed to market. You know, it's like literally about overcoming your resistance to marketing and allowing yourself to break free those income plateaus. Um, yeah, they're really fun. Amazing. I'm so excited. Yeah. Um, so I end my podcasts with the same three questions. So I'm going to ask them to you. Yeah. Um, the first one is, who inspires you? Hmm. Sarah Blakely is really a really big inspiration at the moment because I love her quote, money is fun to make, fun to spend and fun to give away. And I'm really living my life by those three principles at the moment, that it's not just hard work to make and then you have to give it all away, that it's fun for all of those, for all three of those things. So she's a really big inspiration for me in business. Yeah, I love her. I follow her mm -hmm. Instagram and I saw her kids like running around a private jet. <laughs> And I was like, her family looks hilarious. I would love to be a fly on the wall in that private jet. And she's so down to earth and funny. And I really love how joyful it is for her in those yeah. ways. The way she takes her friends away for a big holiday every year. And, you know, she's really generous. And, yeah, it's really cool. So, yeah, money's fun to make, fun to spend, fun to give away, is Sarah Blakely's quote. 
Love it. And um, so I always ask as my second question, what is a book that you have read and that you absolutely love and has helped you in your business? And so many people have been on this podcast and said, get rich, lucky bitch. Um, but do you have a book that you have read that you've loved? I mean, I, I've always been a really big reader. So I think sometimes books come at a particular time in your life to change your mindset. So I know when I read, when I read the four hour work week, that was a really big inspiration for me. And I would say that even chill and prosper, it really is. Um, it's kind of my version of four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, because I remember thinking I was going to write him an email or I was like, why doesn't he have more women examples? And why doesn't he have more examples for, you know, people with kids? He doesn't understand. And then I went, but that's not his job, you know? And so I really like credit him for bringing that kind of into my mindset of it's allowed to be easy. And then I was like, well, it's my job. If I want to write a book that acknowledges being a woman or being a mom, then that's my job to write that, not him, because he would never understand the nuances of it. So Chill and Prosper is very much an inspiration from his books. And finally, what piece of advice would you give to a fellow entrepreneur? It's that question you have to ask yourself all the time of why not me? Why not me? Because there are no rules anymore. You know, like our mothers, our grandmothers were restricted by the time that they grew up in. You know, they were restricted by if they had a business, it was their town that they could be have customers in. And so you just go, well, why not? Why not us? Why not me? And you will come up with a couple of reasons. And you, it's okay to listen to those things. And because and, that little voice in your might, brain might go, well, you need to lose weight, or you're too young, or you're too old, or it's not the right time, or because you're a mom, or whatever. And then you just have to keep on going, but why not me? And there's, you run out of excuses eventually. And you just go, I'm just going to go forward as if I'm so delusional that I just think, why not me? And then you just make those little baby steps. Thank you so much, Denise. I'm so excited that you've come onto my podcast. I could literally talk to you all day. Um, I'll put all of the links to pre-order the book and everything in the show notes, but tell people where they can find you as well. Yes, thank you. And I really appreciate when people say, say it out loud too, because I know for me, when I listen to podcasts, I never go to the show notes. I never me neither. Yeah, I never remember. So thank you for allowing me to say it out loud. Um, if people go to denisedt.com, so that's my website, um, tons of resources on there, by the way, free resources, slash prosper, then they can get all the links to all the, the book. And even when it's out in the world, you can still get the the. Um, all the gifts and things there too so thanks and I'm at Denise DT all around the web as well so I love when people say hi and tell me their money stories or tell me an aha that came up that they'd never thought about before thank you so much thank you for being on the show and um, I'll see you all next time